Good morning, everybody. Am I on? I'm on. <laughs> Good Monday morning, December 11th, 2023. Welcome to Turfgrass Epistemology. My name is Travis Shaddix. I um, hope you're here to have a relaxing time today. We're here, if you're new to the channel, or if this is your first time listening, Turfgrass epistemology is the study of turfgrass knowledge. How do we know what we know? <clears throat> is what we believe true? Are our management practices supported by evidence? If so, how do you know? All those questions are things that we explore here on this channel. Everybody's welcome. Thank you for joining me. It's Monday. <clears throat> I'm a little bit sick. Just to be upfront with everybody, I almost canceled today. So, uh, but I'm gonna power through it. As long as I'm not, my voice holds out. I'll I'll be here. If for some reason I have something scheduled on the on the broadcast and I have to cancel it, what I've decided I'll do is I'll go to the community tab on my YouTube channel and I'll post a a note or something there. I'm not exactly sure if anybody even sees that stuff or if it pops up. I'm not sure, but. If you're if you show up one day, and for some reason I'm not here, it's probably because I'm ill or something came up and I had to leave or some who knows what. But I'll try my best to make a note of it and and leave it on the community tab. So I'm gonna do my best to get through today. Um, my voice was a little bit better this morning. My throat was a little bit better this morning than it has been all weekend. But we're gonna power through it. We're gonna make it. This is one of my favorite subjects. I'm going to walk you through a little bit of the history of my, my history with iron and, and why I, I'm so passionate about it and why I think it can help you immediately just by watching today's episode or listening to today's episode. You can go back and to your shop and hopefully save money. That's something that you can do immediately, I think, from today's presentation. So, um, we are going to watch a, a video. It's not particularly a troubling video or anything. I'm just going to show it as a means to set the stage for why we're going to go over iron for the next foreseeable future. I don't think there's any way I'm going to cover the iron that I want to cover before and get it finished before Christmas. There's no way. So, we might be here for a while. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just letting you know on iron. Thatch, for, you know, for those people who were listening to the Thatch for the last month, man, that is not my area. <laughs> I actually was talking to my wife, and I was like, I, I learned a lot about Thatch going through those papers. I didn't, just not my area, you know. I, I don't find it fascinating or interesting or compelling to read a lot of those Thatch papers. So I never really delved deep into them or anything, but I had some of the authors on, and they really helped, for me anyway, explain what it is and and um, I learned quite a bit going through Thatch. So it, it was useful to me, but it was not easy. <laughs> today is going to be easy. I've given this presentation a number of times. The one I'm going to show today is I gave it Indiana, the Indiana Green Expo years ago. And I think I've given it at the, what was it? The, I can't remember. There's been several presentations, several events that I've given this a similar presentation at. So that's that. I have some baby back ribs already seasoned and in foil, ready to go on the, the grill as soon as I as soon as I get off today. So it's gonna be a good day. Good dinner tonight. 
got some baked potatoes and baby back ribs on the grill and I need about five or six hours, six-ish, something like that. So as soon as I get off, I got to stick them on the grill so they're ready to go. So it's going to be a good day. I'm in a good mood. Hopefully I can make it through my, or my voice can make it through. Let's get to um, the internet here. The internet. And I just want to show you this video. It's I don't know this guy. I don't know this company. Um, but he just kind of goes through sort of the bullet points of selling iron on YouTube and selling iron and fertilizers. And um, I, I suspect it's probably a video you've seen. When was this published? Two years ago. So I'm sure I'm sure many people have seen this video. In fact, it says 8,000 people have seen this video or 8,000 views. So let's let's go through it. Uh, I'll explain what's going on for those listening. I'll do my best to um, describe what's going on. It's a, by a channel called Do My Own, and the title of it is How to Apply Iron to Your Lawn. Let's listen to it. I'll probably it's only two minutes and thirty seconds long. I'll make some pause and comments, but really, it's, this the purpose of this is just to set the stage for the next several weeks or month of of iron. So let's listen up and see see what he has to say. Hi, I'm Heath from DoMyOwn.com. Today we're going to talk to you about how to apply iron to your lawn and the best timing for those applications. Iron is an essential minor element. It helps in the photosynthesis process, taking the sunlight, producing it into sugars, which is good for the plant's color. Okay, so that's often what happens uh, with all sorts of nutrients. And I don't know if, if you all caught it or not, but... I'm going to skip backwards just a little bit, and I want to um, use this as an example of a critical thinking skill example. Okay, so let me rewind it. It's only 14, 15 seconds. But I want to, as you're listening to this, you're driving in your truck, you're in your shop, or you're out in your yard, or whatever it is, I'm going to rewind it again, and I'm going to play it the first 15 seconds again and think to yourself while you're listening to this, what flaw did he use in the first 15 seconds? Here we go. Hi, I'm Heath from DoMyOwn.com. Today we're going to talk to you about how to apply iron to your lawn and the best timing for those applications. Iron is an essential minor element. It helps in the photosynthesis process, taking the sunlight, producing it into sugars, which is good for the plant's color. Okay, so... What he did, he's going to talk about iron and applying iron to, to the lawn. And then he shifts and starts talking about what iron does for the plant. And that shift or that re, repackaging of the, of the situation is a straw man. So we're talking about applying iron. And then we're talking about what iron does for the plant. So... That's often used with whatever, potassium or manganese or magnesium, whatever it is. They're talking about what it does for the plant rather than talking about what applied iron will do. And those are two different things. So iron will do these things. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. What I care about is what will the applied iron do. What will the applied potassium do? What will the applied phosphorus do? Because when they repackage it, talking about what the element does in the plant, it's easy to be convinced that, oh, well, I need it. 
I need that element. I need to apply that element. Right. It might seem subtle, but your mind can easily be fooled and convinced by these straw man fallacies, straw man arguments. I don't care what the plant or what the what the element does in the plant in in this in this situation in this argument. I don't care what the element does in the plant. What I care about is what does the applied element do? What will applying the element do? Because th those elements are already in the soil. Iron and magnesium and potassium and phosphorus and all, all these things are already in the soil. We can talk about what that you to better understand the system, we can talk about that and educate ourselves and you know become knowledgeable on what the elements do. But when it comes to buying the element, buying the fertilizer, you're going to apply the fertilizer. I care about what that does. What does the applied fertilizer that you bought and shipped and dragged around and spread around and applied to your lawn and turf grass, what does that do to my plant, to my turf? Okay. So this is very, very common in the world of not just YouTube, but selling fertilizers. They talk about what the element does in the plant as a means to either distract you away from the, the situation or convince you that what they're saying is true. Don't get distracted by, by them saying, this is what the element does. Don't, don't, that's an, that's, it's very easy to, to do that because this is a very subtle flaw. I don't care what it does. I care what the applied element does. Okay, let's continue. You'll be able to tell that your lawn is iron deficient by the color of the lawn. It turning yellow is usually a good sign that your lawn may be iron deficient or maybe you have something else going on with the lawn. But a good way to determine that is by a soil analysis. Yeah, that's absolutely not a good way to determine whether your, your, your lawn is deficient in iron. Soil analysis of iron is, um, I, I have almost no confidence in the, um, in the recommendations or the interpretation. There are, <clears throat> there is great value, <clears throat> there's great value in soil testing for pH and phosphorus, some potassium, um, physical soil tests. We're going to go into all that. But when you're doing a chemical analysis for iron, there is very weak evidence that that value or that number can be accurately interpreted and then turned into a recommendation that will then in turn result in you applying a product that results in a, in, a, in a green grass. In other words, what we care about is applying an element that may be deficient and very likely will result in a response when you apply it. And that goes through, in soil testing, that goes through a process of interpretation and then recommendations. And for iron, and we'll go over this, guys. We're not going to go over it today, but I'm just I'm setting the stage here. We're going to go over iron and why in the soil and why soil tests are very <clears throat> unpredictable and unreliable when it comes to iron in the soil. But when he says a, a good way to do that is a soil test, how do you know? This is epistemology. How, how do you know that? Have, having a fair amount of knowledge of the literature myself, I'm nowhere near convinced that a soil test, Malik 1, Malik 3, you call it whatever you want to call it, DTPA, so whatever you want to call it, whatever soil test you want to throw at me, they're very inconsistent and unreliable when it comes to determining whether you should apply iron or not. And I know I'm just saying that right now. We're going to go over all these papers, okay? Doing a soil analysis will tell you whether your pH level is in the neutral state, which will allow you to apply products to the lawn to correct the coloring. 
Ideally, you want a pH range between 6 and 7 for most grass types. You can check with your local county extension service to determine your grass type and determine where the pH should be for your lawn. The timing of your application... Because he, he, he's showing, for, for those listening, he's showing a, a gentleman, I think it's a gentleman, pushing a spreader across a lawn in a, in, a, in a YouTube video about applying iron, just so we're on the same page. He's talking about granular applied iron. Iron is very important. For warm season grasses, that's generally going to be from spring through summer, making sure not to apply it when the grass is actually dormant. You want to make sure that the grass is actually growing so that it can benefit from those iron applications. Well, that's a good statement. Remember we, we talked about another YouTuber who's talking about applying all these elements before the grass goes dormant and then storing it in the soil. We don't, we don't want to do that. We, we want to apply nutrients whenever the grass is actively growing. That, and so he said that very, very good. Cool season turfs will be the same thing. You'll apply it from spring all the way through fall with the summer being the most important for those applications. It's good to apply during summer months because you can put a color to the lawn without encouraging brown patch fungus from nitrogen and other things. Generally speaking, one to two applications of iron is maybe all that you need throughout the year. Unless your lawn is iron deficient, which a soil analysis would tell you that, you can apply that monthly if needed. Or if you have a big event that you're planning, it may be a good idea to apply iron a few days prior to that event to give you that deep, rich green color. An iron application is not only good for color, but it's also good for disease prevention. It can help prevent dollar spot fungus as well as brown patch fungus from forming in the lawn. Another added benefit to an iron application is the prevention as well as elimination of moss. When applying iron, you have two different options. You can do a liquid application. You can actually mix a liquid iron application with a liquid fungicide and do the application at the same time. Or you can do a granular iron application. And if you need to apply a fungicide. Okay, so that's what he's talking about, granular fungicide, or sorry, granular iron applications. We're going to find throughout the next several weeks, and unfortunately it'll be at the end because they're the, I'm going from in, I'm trying to go mostly in chronological order of papers and some of the more convincing papers or some of the newer papers published in the last five or 10 years. And we're going to find that in almost every situation you can imagine, you name it, throw it at me and we'll talk about it. But in almost every situation, granular iron is almost entirely useless. Okay. There are, there are a couple odd scenarios that can happen. And, and there's a couple very, very expensive options that you can pursue if you want that could result in a response. But granular applications of iron, if you want to take something back to your shop today and you're going to order fertilizer and you want to save some money today, take out iron out of your granular fertilizer right now. I don't care if it's chelated or not. I don't care. And I'm going to, and, and I'm, this is my opinion right now. All I'm telling you is my opinion, but my opinion is based upon evidence that I'm going to show you throughout the coming weeks. Okay. But that's something you can take home right now and immediately save money. Don't, don't take out the iron and then tell your blender, oh, let's, let's take out the iron and let's say the, let's say the bag costs $20 a bag or something. Um, you know, blend the same exact thing up, but take out the iron. And then he, he takes out the iron or she takes out the iron and then he continues to sell it for $20 a bag. You didn't save any money. You, you removed an, a waste product, basically. But you have to watch, you know, watch your, your, your invoices. You, know, you may need to make sure that that removal of iron, it might only account for 
twenty dollars a bag. Now it's nineteen seventy a bag or nineteen fifty a bag or whatever it is. I don't know. It depends on what's in there and the, the source and the amount and so forth. But but you need to make sure that if you're going to do the exact same thing as you're doing now, but just remove iron, you need to ensure that that fertilizer price has been reduced. Okay. Otherwise, you're not saving anything. You can do that as well on the same day. You would apply it right after the iron application so that you're not walking through the fungicide that you've already applied. You would need to water those applications in to get the benefit. And with the iron, it will take a few days for the uptake from the root system for that plant. Yeah, it'll take, it'll take a few days. <laughs> That's for damn sure. <laughs> Try a few thousand days. A few, few hundred thousand days, maybe. Okay. It'll take a few. Well, we're going to see exactly, you know, what I, why that's so funny to me. Okay. I can't say it's never going to happen, but it'll take a few days for any granular iron to get into your plant. Okay. So in summary, iron is a very important minor element that is crucial for the color and health of the lawn. Okay. So he just summarizes it all up. So I'm not, I'm not saying anything other than, I mean, about that particular guy. I don't know that guy. I mean, he might be fine. Might, you know, the company might be fine. I have no idea, but it's just sort of a general um sales pitch for iron you know iron's good for the plant yeah i know <clears throat> i don't care about that i care about what the applied iron's going to do to my plant uh you should use soil testing for uh to determine whether you need iron or not okay how do you know because <laughs> I, I i'm not convinced that's true at all okay and i'm going to show why why that's the case you should you know consider you know whatever the case whatever he said at the end there's all these all these claims that occur with iron you, you can apply foliar granular, which is true. You can apply foliar granular. But we're going to talk a lot about this. And I just wanted to use that video as an example, you know, of all the information, a lot of the information that exists in the YouTube social media, you know, sphere. Those are all very common claims, whether you see it on a flyer or a sales sheet or you, you know, whatever. That, those are all very common. So I wanted to use that to kind of, you know, get things started here before we go on. Now I had originally on Saturday or Sunday, I had an article that I, the first article I'm going to go over listed on this title. And I decided last minute today to change it because I'm going to set the whole stage for iron by showing a presentation that I get, I give that sort of summarizes all of everything together. And then I'm going to walk through the papers throughout the coming weeks. Okay. Assuming I can get this up. I've been having some challenges with this. Let me see if I can get this up here, guys. Okay. So, let me see if this is going to work. Uh, it works. Okay. So, this is one presentation I give. It's all about iron, and we're going to walk through it and see where this goes. Okay, so how exactly do iron fertilizers work and which one is right for my turf? That's the title of this presentation for those listening. Oh man, hang on. I'm going to have to, okay, give me a second. I'm going to have to figure this thing out. Let's see if this works. Okay. Okay, so if you're wanting to get some basic general knowledge of just, hey, this is some basic information about iron. There's, there's a publication through the University of Kentucky called AGR 246. 
called Iron for Kentucky Turf Grasses. If you're in Florida, there's a very similar publication called Iron for Florida Turf Grasses. I wrote this with Dr. Munshaw, and in Florida, I wrote it with Dr. Unruh. And this document is, it kind of, it just kind of goes through the basic information of iron and, and the various iron sources and um, what to expect from iron applications, I suppose. By the way, before I forget, one of the other videos months ago where a gentleman was um, misunderstanding my research and, you know, was talking about things in a way that was not accurate. I told him on that video to get a hold of me and go ahead and get on Calendly and I'll pay him back. And I wanted to make sure it's clear that he did do that. He did sign up for Calendly. Um, Calendly.com slash Travis Shaddix. And he and I sat down for an hour on, on a web meeting and went over the whole system, you know, went over things and discussed, you know, what had happened and what, where he sort of maybe misunderstood a few things and all these things. And I did refund him that money for that, for that meeting. So, you know, good on him to take the time to, Hey, you know, if I was wrong, I want to know if I was wrong. And, and he signed up and we, we discussed it and, you know, we've moved on. So I want to make sure that we kind of put a bow in that and put it away. So that's, um, that was good on him. Okay. So this is kind of where you can go iron for Kentucky turf grasses or iron for Florida turf grasses in either state. If you're looking for general knowledge, general basic, you know, rudimentary information on iron for turf grasses. Now granular iron for home lawns is extremely common in the big box stores. Okay, we're going to go over a couple of fertilizers here and the tags, and we're going to, I'm going to use this to kind of explain all the different sources that exist in these, these fertilizers. And then after we set the stage for what exists in iron and fertilizers and how common it is, I'm going to walk through some data and, and some research that I've conducted and, and other people have conducted to, uh, to really provide any information. Is it, is it useful or not? Okay. So this is a fertilizer from Scott's it's called Scott's Turf Builder, Southern Lawn Food. And on the back of this bag, um, you'll see the analysis. And it's a 32, it's a 32010, I guess is the analysis. 32010. And it has 2% iron in it. The, when you, first of all, for full stop, if it has any iron in it in a granular fertilizer, there's a good chance it's useless. I can't always say that. Okay. There's a, there, is a, there is a very, very expensive option that you could pursue um, to to result in a response. It is possible, but it's better just to completely opt out. It's better to just, if you're going to assume anything, just assume that whatever iron's in there is useless. And then whenever you're shown the derived from statement, if it has a particular iron source in it, then it's possible that that might result in a response. But the way you're going to know that is to look at the derived from statement. So iron is here. I can't draw. Oh, I can't. You know what? I think I can draw on this. How do I? Let's see if I can draw on this. Arrow options. Does anybody know anything about PowerPoint? I thought there was a way. Oh, wait. Oops. I think right here. Oh, here we go. Pin. Oh, look at that. Here we go. Oh, now I got it. Now we're cooking. Okay. So right here on the derived from section below the guaranteed analysis, you'll see all the... the um, fertilizer sources that they use to create this blend. And we're looking at 2% iron. 
And on here, you'll see methylene ureas, polymer-coated urea, urea, potassium chloride, and then iron oxide, okay? Iron oxide is the end result of weathering, basically. So if there is a soluble source of iron in the soil, it will eventually become oxidized unless there's some other process that occurs. But generally, all that iron that's soluble will come in contact with dissolved oxygen and oxidize out into rust, basically. So this iron source, I don't know if this is still the case in this product or not. Maybe they've changed it. I don't know. But in this particular fertilizer, Scott's Turf Builder Southern Lawn Food, there is, I, I, I can't say 0%. As a scientist, I can't say 0% chance. But I, I'll say that the, it's the, whatever the lowest possible positive number is, that's my level of confidence that this source of iron will result in a turf grass greening. Okay. I can't say zero as a scientist. As a pragmatist, there's no chance. There is, as a pragmatist, there is no chance that iron oxide is going to result in some greener turf after you apply it. I don't care how much you put out there. It ain't going to happen. Now, as a scientist, I can't say that. But that's the way you would know. Look at and see if it says iron oxide. And it might say sesquioxide. It might say iron. Um, what's the other one? It might say... Uh, um, dang it, I can't remember the other... There's another oxide form in here. I can't remember what they call it. But it might say fritted iron. Those are all oxide irons. So you can bet, bet money that this is iron oxide is not going to help you. That's, a, that's an example of iron in a fertilizer. Let's go to Fertilome, lawn food plus iron. And this is, this is where the sales pitch comes in. Plus iron, huge, big words on the front cover of this fertilizer. You can, you can be, your lawn can be greener with an exclamation point. Huge green, huge words. Iron, greener, contains iron for green power. All right. Very convincing if you're not familiar with these, these concepts. And you can look through here. This is a 2404, it looks like. Some copper and boron. We're going to go over that at some point. And then iron, it says 3% iron. So this one has 3% iron. It says water-soluble iron. Okay. You go through here. Ammonium sulfate, urea, da-da-da, myriapotash, da, da, you look through here. Copper, ferrous sulfate, manganese sulfate, and zinc. So the only source of iron in this fertilizer is ferrous sulfate. And we're going to find that ferrous sulfate is indeed soluble. It is 100% soluble. And I'm going to show you exactly, I'm going to show you very good evidence of why I'm saying that's true. Ferrous sulfate is 100% soluble. So in this fertilizer, someone who with that knowledge might look at it and go 3% iron. Well, Dr. Shattuck said ferrous sulfate is soluble. So I'm, you know, if it's soluble, then it's going to re probably result in a turf grass response. <clears throat> I'm going to show you very good evidence that that's not going to happen. And I'm going to explain, this is epistemology, I'm going to explain how I know that. How do I know, or why am I convinced that ferrous sulfate applied as a granular is going to not result in, in a turf grass screening? That's why we're here. Not just saying, Travis said it's soluble, but it won't work. That's the reason I'm not going to use it. That's not the point. The point is to understand how it is we know that. Okay. Next one, another fertilome. Classic lawn food with slow-release nitrogen designed to produce rich green turf with minimal effort and expense. 1608. Boron, copper, another iron. Now, this iron says 0.1% iron. Okay? 
water soluble iron 0.1 percent you go through here and just go through all the derived from stuff and it still says fertilize or ferrous sulfate so again this is similar as the other one it just has less of it in it okay less less iron in that fertilizer now here's a very common fertilizer ironite nothing <clears throat> nothing greens like ironite again i'm sorry if you're just joining me i'm not doing real well my throat is not doing real well i'm going to try to get through this and i can already tell it's going to be challenging <clears throat> so please forgive me when i'm coughing or something into the microphone again i don't know if i can be here tomorrow i'm gonna <clears throat> i'll see what happens but if I, if I get up in the morning and I feel like I can do it, I'll go ahead and post the tomorrow's <clears throat> presentation or tomorrow's video. But if you don't see a video tomorrow, it's probably because I can't talk. <clears throat> okay, ironite, mineral, mineral supplement, supple, uh, turns yellow to green, okay? For lawns, flowers, shrubs, vegetables, and trees. Ironite may be uh, for home lawns and lawn care providers, if you're looking to apply iron, apply a product that has a little bit of green with very little growth, it may be the most common product probably, I don't know, but it's a very common product. Let's look at this particular analysis. It's a 101, okay? This right here is gonna become critical. The first one is 1% 1 nitrogen. Hmm. Iron, 4.5%. So now this one has more iron in it. And it's 2.25% water-soluble iron. So it has more iron than the other fertilizers did. So you can say, oh, that has iron in it. I'm a, I want it green. I don't really want to grow. I don't, don't want, to, want to mow it. I just want it green. So I'm going to apply ironite. Well, let's look at it. Urea. Ferrous sulfate. Here's a new one that we haven't talked about. Iron sucrate. And then iron oxide. And it has manganese and all these other things. Zinc oxide, manganese oxide, all of these are useless. So we already know, well, I've already mentioned, you don't know yet, because I haven't explained why it is I believe this, or I'm convinced this is true, but I've already mentioned that iron oxide is of no value. Ferrous sulfate is of no value, even though it's soluble. Now we have iron sucrate. What is iron sucrate? <clears throat> iron sucrate is the product of granularizing iron oxide with molasses basically or some form of some sugar form so it is iron oxide but has been ground down and regranulated so it's when you when you apply when you put out iron oxide it's really almost like a rock when you put out iron sucrate it does it it disperses very easily it's like a, it's a granular that's more it's more like a reaggregate it's more like a reaggregated aggregation of fine particles and it's bound together with with a sugar component usually it's molasses but it could be something else so when you water hits it it just goes and just just breaks apart very easily but i'm going to show you uh, research that shows very clearly that this is also of no value in terms of turf grass science so in ironite we have three forms of iron all of them are useless in, in granular forms but get in don't believe me yet i'm just you know I don't want you to believe me and I don't want you to leave. Like I've mentioned before, I don't want you to leave here and go, I'm going to do that because Travis said that. Please, I, I have completely failed if that's what you do. I do not want you to do that. <clears throat> I want you to understand why it is that this is these are of no value. Not just, and just because I said it is not a good reason. That's a horrible reason. 
I'm going to move quicker because I don't know how long my throat's going to last here. Sunnyland, soluble iron is iron, 2%. This one says iron sulfate. Okay, here's another fertilizer. So it's a 15015 with 2% iron. Very common. Iron is extremely common. People, distributors and sellers are apparently convinced that they'll sell more fertilizer if it says iron on the tag. Here's one manufactured by Helena. 1% iron, iron sulfate. This is a 15515. Very, very common fertilizer analysis in sports turf and, and golf. 15515 with 1% iron, iron sulfate. Let's go through, here's another one from a Helena. This is actually, I think, a greens grade. Oh yeah, I said greens grade. 2.6% uh, iron. Now it has 0.1% from chelated iron. Let's look at this. Ferric sodium DP, DTPA, ferric sodium EDTA, and iron oxide. So when they're blended like this, hang on one second. I'm doing my best, guys. I'm trying to get through this. <laughs> I would not be here if this was thatch, <laughs> okay? I'm here because this is iron. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to try again. <clears throat> uh, so we have a DTPA, EDTA, and iron oxide. Now, iron oxide's completely useless. Pragmati pragmatically, it's very, use very useless. But when they say this, iron oxide, in 2.6... And then you have to do some math here, or do some reasonable, you know, evaluation. Point, and it has these DTPA, it has, oh, well, it has, it has, it has chelated iron, DTPA and EDTA. Ooh, EDTA and DTPA. But only 0.1% is that. The other 2.5% is all oxide. So whatever percent, let's do the math. <clears throat> so 96% of that okay, is all useless. Only 4% of the iron that's in that fertilizer is chelated. And I don't know what ratio this is in, the EDTA and the, e the DTP. I have no idea. And you're going to find it's, it's, it's irrelevant anyway. But then you have to do the math on this. <clears throat> you're going to apply this at, say, 300 pounds per acre or whatever, whatever the rate is. 300 pounds per acre, and it's 0.1% chelated iron. <clears throat> 300 pounds times... 0.1% is 0.3 pounds per acre. Okay, 0.3 pounds of chelated iron. And I've mentioned before that you need to be 5 to 10 pounds of, of iron per acre usually to see to see a response, when, but that's when you apply it as a foliar application. Don't get confused. When I say 1 to 5 pounds, I'm talking about a foliar application of soluble iron. When you're applying 0.3 pounds of a granular chelate, the chances of you seeing a response, a green response to that, is almost zero. Okay, this might be a new one to some, some lawn care people. I don't know. This is becoming very common and very popular in golf. Um, we can just work our way through it and, and very quickly find out that it's of virtually no value. The iron, it's called Wolf Tracks, Peak Iron Plus Magnesium. They, I think this company built a granulate or a, a micronutrient coating plant in Southwest Florida, I think, a few years ago. And in fact, I still have some of their product actually sitting right on the other side of this uh, computer. I have manganese and magnesium and iron, all sorts of stuff. But if we look at the derived from statement, it says iron oxide, iron sulfate, and then it says wolf tracks, iron DD, DDP, 47% iron. <clears throat> we know the oxide's useless. 
I'm convinced the iron sulfate's useless in a granular form. And then they have this other product, the 47% iron. And I can tell you that that's going to be an oxide as well. You're not going to be able to get a soluble or a chelated iron source at that high of a percentage of iron, 47%. So it's probably oxided iron blended with some other binding component. I don't know what it is, but there's really no reason to me, for me to be convinced that this would actually do anything. And I've done some work with this. I'm going to show you that. This is what it does, though. When you coat it, this is a very convincing argument. This is monomonium phosphate evenly coated with boron DDP. So this is, and then on the left and, and on the right, you're showing, seeing a glass container with the fertilizer in it and, and monomonium phosphate blended with granular boron. So, and you can see that the distribution in this uh, granular boron is, is all over the place. It's very, not, it's not uniform. Whereas you, if you blend it over here with the coating, if you're coating every single fertilizer particle in the fertilizer with this DDP boron, DDP boron, you can see a very even distribution of the boron in the fertilizer, very uniform. So the process of coating it that they're using results in, in a little bit of the element being bound on every fertilizer particle, very even coating. <clears throat> very good argument if you're not familiar with the, the drive from uh, raw material. Okay. We're going to find that boron doesn't do much. <laughs> Iron doesn't do much. None of this stuff really does that much. We're going to find that though. Millorganite, this is the one iron source that I really wasn't able to do much with because it's very difficult to evenly and accurately measure the impact of a iron that's in a natural organic fertilizer. You have to be m more detailed and specific than just putting out, say, another form of iron next to it. Because there's all sorts of lignin interactions and all sorts of stuff when you're dealing with natural organics and iron in the soil. So I don't know whether or not the iron in the millorganite would result in anything, but what I do know is that I'm not, there's no, I haven't seen any evidence that would convince me that this would result in a greening. And that's where, that's where the epistemology is. The core of epistemology is that, and that is you're neutral. Oh, it has 4% iron in it. Okay. So what? I don't care. Oh, well, it'll, it'll result in a darker green grass. Okay, fine. Show me, show me where. The evidence is to convince me that that's going to result in it. And I'm not saying it wouldn't. It might. But until I'm convinced by sound evidence, I'm not going to move off my center line. If they show me, oh, well, I applied this here and it turned green and I applied iron there and it didn't turn green. Well, that still doesn't convince me because this iron's in a different form than that iron. Okay. You there's a lot going on here with iron. So this is one element. This is one fertilizer I was never really able to do much with because it's immensely complex to determine whether or not this specific amount of iron from this specific fertilizer being a natural organic is actually resulting in something because you're applying phosphorus and you're applying nitrogen with it. And I don't know what form the iron's in. Is it oxide? Is it soluble? Is it bound in an organic lignin? I don't know. It's very difficult. So I can't say anything positive or negative about more organized iron. It, it may or may not work, I, I, but I'm not convinced. Okay. Foliar fertilizers. I'm going to move a little quicker through here. I'm just going to show you that foliar fertilizers have the same situation where You'll see a guaranteed analysis and the derived firm will say iron sulfate. But in this form, iron sulfate will be useful to us. We're going to find. So it's the same derived from fertilizer, iron sulfate. I do showed like three or four fertilizers just a minute ago that had iron sulfate in them, but they were all granular. These are foliar. Okay. The difference between these two is that one has to go into the soil and then be absorbed through the roots, and the other one does not. 
the foliar does not require root uptake. Okay, that's iron sulfate. Here we see iron sulfate. Sometimes you'll get uh, this these you know scientific phrases called heptahydrate. Iron sulfate is hept it all it has to come with seven waters. So whether it says ferrous sulfate or ferrous sulfate heptahydrate, it's the same product. It has to come with, ferrous sulfate is just not ferrous sulfate. It has to come with seven waters. So don't be confused. This is ferrous sulfate, just like the other one. Here is the same thing, ferrous sulfate hepatohydrate in a product called Fermec 1500 with 6% iron. Long iron from Harrell's to 1500 as well. This 6% iron is complexed iron, and it says iron glucoheptanate. This is an area that we're going to go into heavily. These chelated, quote-unquote, complexed iron sources on foliar or liquid fertilizers. I'm going to go into at least two two publications, I think maybe three, but at least two publications that clearly show that these are not soil chelates, okay? You're buying it thinking it's a chelate because it says complexed iron. It might be a chelate in, this, in the bottle. I mean, it might maintain some solubility of iron in the bottle. I don't know. But once it hits the soil, there is no value to these types of chelates, glucoheptanate, gluconate, these sorts, these sorts of things. I'm going to show you that in a minute. Iron polysaccharide. This might be new to some lawn care people too. This is more common in other areas of turf grass management. This is called Optimizer Sweet Iron from, uh, I don't know, I can't remember who makes this. And it has 5% iron in it and the derived from is iron polysaccharide. We did some work with that. I'm going to show you that real quick. Okay, 1836 from Harold's, the UMAX product. This says 0.1% chelated iron, and this says iron citrate. So now here's a different chelated iron source called iron citrate. So you might be convinced that this, oh, well, Travis said iron glucoheptidates have little value once it hits the soil, so I'm going to use this other one that has iron citrate. Well, we did some work with that. We're going to show you that. Once it hits the soil, there's no value. Sprint 330. It's a 10% iron source coming from DTPA. So it's technical sodium, ferric, diethylamine, triamine, pentaacetic acid, or whatever it's called. These are so soluble in the soil. These remain soluble in the soil, but I'm going to show you exactly for how long, okay? <laughs> and it's not long, okay? You might think EDTA, DTPA. EDDHA, let's go, you know, that's what he's saying. Let's go use that. We're going to use those. All of those do maintain some soil solubility of the iron, depending on the soil pH. But the question is, for how long? Is it of any meaningful length? We're going to show you that. So the iron sources. We have oxide, 50%. Anytime you have a very high percentage of iron in the raw material, it's almost always an oxide. It, it, you can't get the iron high enough in in the chelates it'll it, it's not possible the molecule won't won't allow it oxysulfate that was the other one i was talking about 40 percent iron that's also of no value soil uh, soil applied sulfate 20 percent iron sulfate is 20 percent humates 14 percent the chelates 5 to 13 percent kind of depends on the chelate these are granular sources of iron okay the foot and there's also edta i don't oh, did i put that on here or another no i didn't Oh, I just put chelates in general. I just put chelates as a whole category. Then we have foliar sulfates, polysaccharides, chelates, citrates, and glucoheptanates as, as foliar options. We're going to go through these, okay? Now, 
This is Princess Bermuda in Central Florida in 2000. I don't know. I can't remember. 13, 14, 15. I don't even remember. Um, so now we want to, I want to explain this because this has been shown a number of times and I want to make sure we're 100% clear on what exactly is going on here. I went out on this Princess Bermuda and I applied nothing, non-treated plot. I don't know. I can pull the map. Actually, I still have it in my book here probably. The, the, the map, the uh, legend map or whatever. But let's say this, let's say this plot right here is, is non-treated. The one right next to it also has iron in it. This one also has iron in it. This one also has iron in it. And all these that are look the same color that are pale green all have iron in it in a granular form. There was EDTA, there was sulfate, there was humate, there was uh, oxide I think was in there. I have to pull it up. It's been a long time. But you'll see they look... Can I delete? No, I can't. You'll see they look the exact same as the non-treated. Nothing happened. But you'll see these rectangles, these dark green rectangles, there's these, you, these are easy to pull out. Okay, all of these dark green rectangles did show a response to the, to the, but these are all foliar applications of iron. Okay, all of these are foliar applications. You can pick them out very easily. So what this tells you is, is that one, the turf grass location was susceptible to an iron response because you saw an iron response from the, the foliar application of iron sulfate. And two, the granular forms of iron didn't show anything. I don't care if it was from soluble source or not. Didn't show anything. That was from uh, Princess Bermuda. We never published that. Let's go to St. Augustine grass. This one was published in Crop Science, which I'm going to go over this article in a couple of weeks. So when I go over and talk about crop, uh, we're talking about the, my Crop Science article in St. Augustine grass, this is the one I'm talking about. This was on uh, Palmetto St. Augustine grass and Citra. And you'll still see these foliar applications of iron are easy to pull out, okay? You'll see these little green rectangles everywhere. Those are foliar iron sulfate applications, okay? All the other grass that all looks the same is either nothing was applied in terms of iron or granular sulfate, granular chelates, granular you know, oxides, granular humates, and all those things. And I'm going to go over that article in detail, Okay. These, these aerial photographs are going to get better. The last one is great. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm going through all the studies. I'm going through the studies that I've done, okay? There was a, there was a salesman who said, well, I'm, I'm going to coat all the fertilizer with iron. I'm going to coat it all, and every little particle is going to have a little fertilizer on it, and it's not going to be oxide. It's going to be chelates. I was like, okay, great. Sounds good to me. So we had a we had a non-treated, we had iron sulfate, I had iron sucrate, we had an iron chelate of 13%. And then I did powder coated gypsum as a and I and what I did was I used gypsum as the carrier. Nowadays I would use a different carrier. Um but we used a, we used his chelated iron source of 13%. We used another of his these are all his, eight, eight percent and seven point five percent. So what I'm doing is I'm basically coating. I used to work fast food when I was in high school, and I used to coat chicken, fried chicken. And you can only coat, you can only put so much batter and so much seasoning on the chicken before it all just falls off, right? So you put the chicken in there and you mix it all up and you pull it out and you shake it. And then whatever's left on the chicken is what's on there. You can keep throwing stuff on. In fact, I just made some ribs. I just dry rubbed some ribs. And they're sitting in foil right here. You can only put so much on there before it just falls off. Okay, you can't stick any more on the dang rib, Okay. <laughs> I don't care how much mustard and brown sugar you put on that sucker. It's only going to stick so much. And with this powder-coated gypsum, or you can use a product called Biodac, that's a non-nutrient non carrier, you can only put so much on there. And whatever the maximum amount you can stick on there, 
and, and then the rate, the rate of whatever you're going to apply, say 300 pounds per acre, is the maximum amount you can put out. You can't stick any more on there, and unless you're going to some silly application rate of 1,000 pounds per acre, some crazy, something crazy, you can't put any more out, okay? Well, these, these chelates, the non, I use a non-chelate, which are all these here, okay? These two over here. I went out at 20 pounds per acre, and the chelates I went out at 0.5 pounds per acre, and we find nothing happened. So the, the control is the light blue, which you can't really make out. It's kind of in here, the light blue one. I'm kind of, I'm kind of tracing it here. <clears throat> I'm look, for those listening, turf quality is on the left, and then we have months June through September on the, on the x-axis. And we're measuring the di different soil chelates that were bound on fertilizer. We're measuring the quality. Okay, so what we have is we have a turf quality. We have a turf that's not acceptable, and, the, and when you apply the... the uh, products that contain iron, there's no difference in, there's nothing separates out from each other. Meaning in the control, in the, the controls right here, the, I just traced the control in red. Meaning you can buy all that, that chelated iron, you can stick it on the fertilizer, you can apply it, or you cannot do that and get the same response. You cannot buy the product, you cannot pay for all that extra chelated iron that you think you're coating on the fertilizer, or you are coating the fertilizer, and you think it's going to result you're going to get the same response if you didn't do anything. Save yourself some money. Don't waste your money on these coated fertilizers that contain iron. If you think that they're going to result in a greener response, we have no reason to believe it yet. Powder-coated iron sources, if you look at the turf quality across the board, on average, across the, all the, the entire study, it was the exact same. Where's the keyword? Here's the untreated, non-treated right here. So we had one, two, three, four. We had four chelates, a sucrate, and a sulfate. Nothing across, if you averaged all the quality across that entire study, nothing changed compared to non-treated turf. Let's go to the greenhouse. We go, okay, let's go to the greenhouse where I can control the rate better. We have zero pounds, one pound, five pounds, 10 pounds, and 20 pounds of chelated iron per acre on this powder-coated iron source. So I had all these pots in the greenhouse, did a lot of work, pulled them all out, grew them, maintained them like little babies, kept them growing, had them all labeled and numbered, everything. Had 13% iron, 8%, 7.8% chelated iron, all these coated iron, chelated iron source, and oops, that's not, and nothing happened. <coughs> no differences from the untreated turf, non-treated turf grass. Nothing changed. So you did it in the food, did it in the field, nothing happened. Did it in the greenhouse, nothing happened. Chelated iron attached to fertilizer particles might actually work if it's the right chelate, and if it's applied at the at the correct rate, and if it's applied to a turf grass that's susceptible to an iron response. Otherwise, there's no good reason to believe that it's, that's good money spent. No good reason for that. Okay, now, I come to Kentucky. After all those studies in Florida, I come to Kentucky, and another manufacturer wanted to look at some of their chelated iron sources. And you see on this screen, look, oh, look at all these green rectangles. I'm looking, for those listening, I'm looking at an aerial photograph of some bent grass that we did here in Lexington. And you see all these, like, super dark green rectangles. Okay. And then you see other, other turf grass plots that are all blended in. They're all blind green. They're not green. You can see the difference. They're clear. It's like a checkerboard. I mean, it's very, very clear where all the grass is very uniform. And then where we apply, and then you see dark green rectangles that are also very consistent across the entire study. Okay. The difference here was we were using uh, a, a biodac, which is a, paper product basically that is uh, the same granular size as, as fertilizer and you can we were coating that biodac so we had no nutrients at all 
coating that with all the sources of, of chelated iron that he wanted to look at. Then we were also using those same chelated iron sources and coating it onto a nitrogen carrier. Okay. And we see every single green square comes from the nitrogen carrier. Every other green rectangle that's that's lot less green, that's clearly non-treated, is either a non-treated turf or the turf that contained that was a, you, the treatment that contained the chelated iron source applied with the biodex. So in other words, the chelated iron attached to the fertilizer did nothing. It was the nitrogen source that resulted in the response. And this is critical because this wasn't published. <coughs> this was repeated in two locations. Maybe I should publish this. This is critical because I can't count the number of times I've heard, well, I know you said that, but, but I applied it and it turned green. Yeah, I know it turned green. Okay, I got it. It had nitrogen in it. It's going to turn green. Oh, I applied the ironite and I saw a green response. Yeah, I know. The ironite contains urea. You're going to probably see a little response from the urea. Okay, this is convincing evidence to me, although granted, I haven't published it yet, that any green response you're going to see from a blended fertilizer that contains iron is almost certainly going to come from the nitrogen source, not from the iron source. Because we had all sorts of chelated iron sources in this, in this study. And none of them resulted in a response. Whether it can, the only thing you saw turn green was from the nitrogen. Okay, Th this should really drive home a strong message, and that is, if you're applying fertilizer with iron in it, and you see a response, there's almost zero chance it's coming from the iron. It's coming from the nitrogen. Okay? Please don't be convinced that it's coming from iron if, it, if the fertilizer also contains nitrogen, or even phosphorus, potentially. Okay? So we failed. We applied it in the greenhouse. We applied it on warm season grasses in Florida. We applied chelated iron in on cool season grasses in Kentucky. <clears throat> There's only been one occasion where I actually saw a response from granular chelated iron, and I didn't even actually show that. It was so far ridiculously high in the rate. It was you'll never be able to afford it. So it was insane. Other than that one, I've never observed or measured a response to chelated iron, granular iron, granular iron source. We're talking about granular. So after so many, we tried to go back to the lab and go, well, what's going on? Why aren't we seeing anything? There's nothing going on. And there's tons and tons of iron. Who knows how many dollars being wasted on granular iron sources. So we went to the lab and these columns for those interested, for those really detailed people, um, these are the columns that the Medina papers used for um, evaluate or de developing a method to measure slow release nitrogen, uh, the release of nitrogen from slow release end sources. So these columns are are heat. These well, these actually columns aren't heated. Actually, are they heated? I think these columns are heated, or it goes it goes into this bath, and the bath heats it. Anyway, these columns are heated, and what happens is there's a slow trickle of leachate going through these columns, and it collects in these vats. And whether the, the product is soluble or insoluble, it will remove a portion of the element in it, basically. And these are the actual iron sources on this column right now. This was in Gainesville. This is ages and ages ago. 
And I wanted to know, well, is there any soluble iron in these fertilizers at all? And in fact, we did find the chelates had 100% of the iron extracted. The sulfate had 100% of the iron extracted. The iron humate only had about 38%. So 70, <clears throat> almost well, 62, 63% of the iron in the iron humate was insoluble. From the beginning, forget even going to the soil. From the very beginning in the bag, there's only about 38, 39, whatever it is, percent of that nitrogen or percent of that iron that was even soluble. The iron sucrate, only about 4%. I'm not talking about soluble in the soil yet. I'm talking about in the fertilizer bag itself, 95% of the, of the sucrate was insoluble. And then 99% of the oxide, it was 99.5 or something, 99. something percent of the oxide was completely insoluble. After being leached with a, with a weak citric acid solution and heated up, it was you know very consistent, uniform attempt to remove the iron from the fertilizer. We still found that not, more than 99% of the iron in oxide was insoluble, 95% or greater of the iron sucrate was insoluble, and the 60-something percent of the iron humate was insoluble before it even gets to the soil. So this helped explain why we're not seeing anything from oxide, sucrate, or humate. It helped. But we're still seeing soluble, uh, soluble iron coming from the chelate and sulfate, but no response. So, oh, this is just what I talked about. Oh, here it is. 99.5% of the iron was insoluble. That's, that's why this number exists in this iron, iron for Kentucky turf grass. That's why this 99.5% of iron from iron oxide is insoluble. That's why I'm, that's how I know. This is, this is epistemology. How do I know that? It was because this study showed it. I leached it through with citric acid, heated citric acid, and only 0.5% was actually in the solution when we're done. Okay. That's how I know. So now we know we're not seeing a response to the turf. We're not seeing uh, much at all come from the removal of the iron from the raw material in the, in the lab from, sulf, uh, from sucrate and from oxide. But we're still seeing some from coming from uh, It's very soluble. The chelates are soluble. The sulfates are soluble in the bag. You know. So now we're like, well, how do we figure out whether or not there's any solubility in the soil once it's the soil. So if you ever wanted to know what a soil solubility, a large soil solubility study looks like, this is what it looks like. We took soil from, in this case, there's only two soils, one with the pH of 5.3 and another with pH of 7.2. We used iron sulfate and iron glucoheptanate, and we did extractions at one hour, four hours, one day, one week, two weeks, and three weeks. I'm going to go over this. I'm going to go over the study. Okay. I'm going to go over the study in detail, but this is what it looks like. I mean, in the future, I'm going to go over it. This is what it looks like. All these cups with all these soils and just a tremendous amount of work. The labs are labeled with colors, so we keep track of which ones are being extracted. It's a tremendous amount of effort to get this done. When we... Let me just explain what happens. We, 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 each, each of the cups contains a known amount of soil. I go in and I apply a known amount of iron in, a, in an aliquot, in a, in a pipetter, and I apply it to the, all the cups. And then I take the cups that are to be extracted at one hour, and I remove those, and I extract the iron. That would give me the, the percentage of iron that was still soluble at, one, at the one-hour extraction. And then I go in and I do another set of cups at the four-hour extraction, and the one-day extraction, and the one-week extraction. And I'm wanting to see how long is the iron that I applied to the cup, how long is it going to remain soluble? Okay. 
and we did it from one hour to three weeks. So the question, and the question is, with, from sulfate and glucoheptanate, at what point does the iron become insoluble? At what time frame? And does it matter about the soil? Does the soil make any difference? So here we go. At one hour, for those watching, there are actual bar graph, bars on this graph. For those listening, the x-axis is one hour all the way to three weeks, and the y-axis is the percent of iron that was applied. There are actual bars on this graph, but you can barely see them at one hour from the, uh, this would be the iron sulfate and iron glucoheptanate in the 7.2 soil. There is like 99.9% .9 of the iron was already oxidized. From the soil that had a 5.3 pH, the sulfate and the glucoheptanate was about 90% Oxidized. In other words, there's about 10% that was still soluble at one hour. And there was a difference, a little bit of difference in the soils. You can see there's no difference between sulfate and glucoheptanate. Remember, I said glucoheptanate from that, that product was useless as a soil chelate. How, why, do I, why am I convinced that's true? How do I know that that's true? This is how I know it's true. Or this is why I'm convinced that it's true, I should say. There is no difference between the sulfate and the glucoheptanate in terms of solubility. If the glucoheptanate was a soil chelate, this yellow bar here, which should be way up here, should be way up here in terms of it, it would maintain solubility. At one hour, 90-something percent or whatever this number is, was insoluble from sulfate and insoluble from glucoheptanate. At four hours, the, the solubility redu reduced down to about, about 95%. So 95% was still insoluble. Or it, was, it, was, it was oxidizing. This... This reduction from one hour to one day is the oxidation process. Most of it oxidized in one hour. Some of it, more of it oxidized in four hours. And at one day, there was no iron soluble in the soil at all. Okay, compared to non-treated. So why am I convinced that glucoheptanate is not a soil chelate? This is why. And I'm going to go over this Soil Science of America article in the coming weeks. Now, we did another study. <clears throat> Where the because the question could be we did that study from the J Florida location and from the Fort Lauderdale or no we did it in Citra I think it was, but the question is loony and lush and elevated and landscapes and gray and you know where's where's uh, Randy you guys are in Bulgaria you guys are in Massachusetts you're in you know Texas or California or wherever you're just doing it in Florida Travis you all you're showing is the, the iron solubility is essentially zero at one day from Florida soils. I don't know what's going to happen in my soil. Okay, fair enough. So we went to Colorado. I literally went to Colorado and pulled this soil. I called my buddies in New Mexico and Nebraska and Oklahoma. I went to Oklahoma. That's where I'm from. It was an easy one. Ohio, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, Mississippi. <clears throat> I called my friends and I said, hey, can you send me some soil? I want to do an incubation study. And they sent the soils. So now we're dealing with 11, 10, 11, 12, whatever it is, different soils from all over the United States. <clears throat> and now we're looking at not just glucoheptanate and sulfate. We're looking at glucoheptanate and sulfate, which are right here, glucoheptanate and sulfate. We're looking at also at wolf tracks. We're looking at humate, sweet iron, that polysaccharide I showed you, the citrate, which was in that foliar application I showed you. IDHA, which is a, an organic chelate from uh, the EU, I think. Now we're looking at EDTA, DTPA, and EDDHA. So now 
we're looking at essentially every iron product that you're ever going to, to encounter, basically. And we're looking at the solubility over time in 11 different soils. Let's see what happens. After one day in the J Florida soil and in the Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida soil, after one day, this is what we find. Sulfate, wolf tracks, humate, glucoheptanate, sweet iron, and citrate. Well, let's remove citrate for a second. Sweet iron. All of them were insoluble. More than 99% of the iron that was in there were completely insoluble from sulfate, wolf tracks, humate, glucoheptanate, and sweet iron. When you look at the citrate and IDDHA, there was some solubility at one day. We're looking at about 2% solubility from citrate and about 8% solubility of IDHA. The EDTA, DTPA, and EDDHA, which are chelates you're very familiar with, I'm sure, half, on all of them in the J soil, half or more was oxidized out. Half the iron that you pay, this EDDHA is like, what well, I don't know what it is per ton. <clears throat> it's like, I don't know, $40,000 a ton or $20,000. It's, it's a crazy amount of money per ton. Okay, it's like $5 a pound, or I forget what it is. It's extremely expensive, this EDDHA. And this is the one a lot of people go to. Well, it'll maintain solubility in EDPH, which is very likely true. That's very possible. That's, there's a lot of evidence to support that. But it doesn't mean it's going to maintain solubility forever. And in this case, half was oxidized in one day in J. In Fort Lauderdale, about 35% was oxidized in the first day. Now, I'm going to show you what happens as the time goes by here in a minute. Okay? Actually, I don't know if I'm going to show you in here in a minute, but I'm going to go over this article. It's in Agronomy Journal. I'm going to go over that article in a few days. I'm going to, and it goes all the way out. I think we did it to three weeks. But at one day, all that money you spent, half of it's gone. Immediately, first day, gone. All right? Let's look at all the other soils. Now we're looking at Alabama, Colorado, Oklahoma, North Carolina, all these other soils. And the argument is, well, this is what I heard from some salesmen when I was going down these roads, right? Well, you don't know what's going to happen in Ohio. You don't know what's going to happen. Arizona is very different. You know, whatever. Colorado is very different. Alabama is very different. New Mexico is different. It's, you know, you can't say that's going to happen. I, you're right. I couldn't say that. I'm pretty convinced it would, but I can't say that for sure. So let's what happens. Was there any difference between these soils and the Fort Lauderdale and, and Jay Florida soils? Essentially, no. There are some differences in the pHs of these soils, and I'm going to show that when I get to this article. I'm going to show it in great detail when I get to the article. But for the most part, sulfate, wolf tracks, humate, glucoheptanate, sweet iron, citrate, and even IDEHA, for the most part, were completely oxidized out. And even the very, very expensive and very well-documented EDDHA, DTPA, and EDD, EDTA, sorry, even those that are very well-documented chelates, they will maintain solubility of iron in the soil. There's no question. Even those... You're talking 40% to as much as, looks like maybe 70% in the Ohio soil. 40% in even the North Carolina soil. 40% to 70% of the iron in EDDHA was oxidized in 24 hours after hitting the soil. So if you're going to go blow a lot of money on EDDHA, fine. Just understand that once it hits the soil, it's probably going to be gone. And most of it's going to be gone in the first day. Majority, more than 50% is probably going to be gone the first day. Regardless of the soil, 
Non-chelated iron became insoluble with one, one, within one hour of application. So now we're looking at graphs, same type of graph. All the iron sources are on the x-axis. The percent of the, percent of the applied iron that is, remains soluble is on the y-axis. And we're looking at one, what happened at one hour and what happened at 21 days after the application. So at one hour, when you look at across the board, you're going to look at about 60% of the iron from EDDHA will remain soluble at one hour. 40% was oxidized. All these other ones, citrate, polysaccharide, all these, all these are insoluble. The IDHA had about 10%, and you, again, average across everything. And uh, the EDTA and the DTPA had some solubility at one hour. There's no question. At one hour, there was some solubility. Looking at 40 to 50% solubility from EDDA and DTPA. But look what happens at 21 days. Three weeks out, even the EDDHA has dropped to about 75% of it being oxidized. Now, you can argue, well, I'm just going to go out and apply more or whatever at, at three weeks or four weeks out. That's, that's up to you. But um, the, the DTPA, the EDD, EDTA, more than 90%, I think it's close to like 95% or something, of the iron in those chelated sources after three weeks was completely oxidized out. Now, between one hour and three weeks, this is the time the plant can take it up. This is the amount that the plant has access to. So, like I said, these, these EDTA, DTPA, and EDDHA, depending on the soil uh, pH, which we're going to go over in the coming weeks, it will depend on what soil pH is on this uh, on iron solubility. But there are, there is a non-zero chance that the plant could take up some iron from the application of one of these three chelates. That does not necessarily mean it's going to result in, an in a greening response that you could actually observe. It just means that the iron will remain soluble in the soil and have the potential for plant uptake. But whether or not that results in a greening response is another matter. Because <laughs> that's a rate effect. Okay? So, iron sources, we're going to go, I'm going to have to speed up here. EDDHA and ED, all these. Soil insoluble after one day are all these. So you can pause the video and look at all these. These are all soil insoluble after one day, which are essentially all the non-chelated sources. And all three well-known uh, soil chelates, EDDHA, DTPA, and EDTA are all uh, I would consider them to be soil soluble. They do remain. They do maintain some solubility depending upon the soil pH that you're, you're working with. I wouldn't want to use EDTA on a soil that has a pH of seven. I'll go over that. So what's happening? You're applying the iron. It comes into contact with water or dissolved oxygen, and it precipitates out as iron oxide. That's what's happening. It's oxidizing out of solution. You and the and one reason you can one one sort of quick example of how you know this or how you how we use this to our advantage is concrete stains are made with iron sulfate <laughs> okay, it's pretty simple or iron a soluble iron source iron chloride you know iron chloride all these these are these are in, intentionally made iron chloride soluble iron sources there's some man, manganese chloride in here too manganese will stain some concrete really well as well these are all known to stain concrete. The stain occurs as a result of the oxidation process occurring on the surface of concrete. And we know this, and we use it intentionally for that purpose. The same thing's going on in the soil. This is what happens. This is a, this is a photo of, some, uh, of a sidewalk outside my house in Gainesville, Florida. And all these little brown, you've seen this before a hundred times, guys, I'm sure. 
where somebody uh, went and spread fertilizer, they didn't blow it off or brush it off of the concrete, and it rained or the irrigation hit, and you see all these brown dots. Hopefully, you've never seen this on someone's pool deck that you're responsible for because it, it's, it's a lot of work. And I know the next question is, well, how, how do I get it off? It's a lot of work to get it off. And I know there's some, there's some products that can help with that. I don't, I'm not an expert in that. But um, these, these can be removed, but they're not, these are chemically stained, and, and it's a lot of work. The same stain can occur on turf. Look what happens. This is a growing I was doing down in Fort Lauderdale. And these brown areas in the soil, all these little brown circles you see on the, on the sand, is what's, now this canopy was open because I was growing it in. This is what's going on when your fertilizer is hitting the soil. It's oxidizing on the surface of the soil. It's not going into the soil and going up into the roots of the plant. It's being oxidized. And this is evidence. This is oxidation that just occurred on that concrete uh, sidewalk. It's occurring on the soil too. It can even occur on the leaves themselves. This is Tifway 419 where if I was cutting this at 500. I think I was cutting this at 500. And you'll see these little brown, these little black dots. If you have iron, if you have a large granular fertilizer, these black dots that can be deceptive. You might see this as like a dollar spot or something or some other disease. This is all from granular iron. This is Bimini Bermuda grass, same thing. You see little black dots everywhere. This is from iron being oxidized on the leaf surface. There's latitude 36 Bermuda grass, oxidation occurring on the leaf surface. Doesn't matter. Same thing. It'll oxidize, it'll stain any surface that it lands on basically, okay? All these little black dots, for those listening, I'm looking at turf grass photographs, and the grass is, uh, has these, it looks like a leopard, basically. There's all these black uh, spots all over the grass from, an, uh, from fertilizer that was applied. Here's Celebration Bermuda grass. Um, where's my, there it is. Here's Celebration Bermuda grass, same thing. And there, how do I know that? Well, you look at every one of those little black dots, and you'll see a, a, fertile, a, a particle of granular iron sulfate that hadn't dissolved yet. That's what you'll see at the center of every one of those black dots where it's oxidizing the leaf surface, staining it or turning it a different color. Here's foliar iron, the same amount of granular iron applied to Tiff Eagle. You'll see a nice uniform color. And on granular iron applied to Tiff Eagle, you see all these little granular iron sulfates that haven't quite dissolved yet, forming that leopard uh, uh, splotchy appearance on the turf surface, okay? Same thing, here's another photograph of Tiff Eagle where you see a foliar application of iron sulfate at two pounds of iron per acre per month. And here's the same iron source, granular iron sulfate, same rate, two, iron, two pounds of iron per acre per month. And you see the color change from this iron sulfate applied to this turf uh, as a foliar compared to the granular, all the little splotchy uh, stain leopard spots. And here's the untreated right next to it, non-treated. Here's a case study. I'm not even going to go to this, but basically what I asked this gentleman, I'm not going to, you know what, I'm going to skip through. That's the very end of it. I'm not going to do that. So, um, <clears throat> whoops. Hang on, you lo I lost you. I lost you. Here I am. I'm not going to do that that case study because I'm running out of um, running out of time here. But that is a summation of why iron's a problem, why it's so common to be a, to be used and sold, and all these things. Um, and that's a summation of much of the work that I've done, and and the evidence or the reasons why I'm convinced that applying granular iron is of little to no value whatsoever. And applying foliar iron can be. I just showed you foliar applications of iron sulfate to Tiff Eagle. Foliar applications of iron sulfate to, um, to Princess Bermuda, to St. Augustine grass. Showed you applications of chelated iron sources that were bound to nitrogen carriers versus non-nitrogen carriers. And you saw a green response come from only the nitrogen carrier and nothing come from the non-nitrogen carrier. Okay. So if you want something to take home today and walk away with this, 
and save money, the take-home message is opt in to using iron. In other words, remove all iron from your pro- from your program completely and then opt in when you have good reasons. And the good reasons are what I've showed you. There was clearly there's clearly good reasons to apply foliar applied iron. You'll see a response virtually every time. I'm going to show you that in the upcoming weeks. There are equally bad reasons to apply almost any form of granular iron whatsoever. But don't take it out of your fertilizer and then pay the same amount for the fertilizer. Okay, you, you have to get it, the price reduced, right? So th- those are some take-home messages today that you can save yourself a ton of money right now. By, well, not a ton of money, but you can save yourself some money by eliminating everything and then, hmm, well, I want some greener grass. How am I going to do that? Oh, go, go get some iron. Well, what form of iron? Well, it needs to be foliar iron. So we haven't gone into the differences in foliar applied iron yet. But there's a response from foliar applied iron sulfate as well as any form of soluble iron source. Any form of soluble iron source will result if it's applied to the, fo- to the foliage as a, um, as a leafed uptake sort of thing. It'll, it'll result in a greening response. Now, well, I'm going to go into the whole thing about whether or not it's actually entering the plant versus staining the plant. I'll explain that a little bit in the upcoming episode. But sort of irrelevant. The plant turns green. Or you, it gives the appearance that it's turning green. That's what you guys want. Um, but there's no reason to apply the granular iron. Okay, guys. I'm going to go before my, my, my voice gives out. But before I go, I'm going to, um, one, I'm going to play a, a music at the end here that people have been, for some reason, wanting to hear. Or on, on the, There's been some chit-chat. That you, you, so get your Shazams ready. Um, but let me go through the chat and see if there's anything interesting that uh, you guys want me to cover or answer real quick. Looney says one of my favorite Travis catchphrases, the lowest possible positive number. Yeah. So uh, there's, um, without a solution to hard solipsism, I can't be 100% certain of anything. And I also can't be 0% certain of anything. Okay. So that's the reason I use that phrase. I can't be, I can't have absolute confidence that there's no chance anything's going to happen. Pragmat, you know, pragmatically, I, I can say that, sure. But as a scientist, I have to say it's, it's some non-zero number. <laughs> but it could happen. Very unlikely. Good morning, Elevated Lawnscape, Super TA, Chuck. So let's see if anything. <clears throat> Lush says, iron sucrate absorbs humidity and ends up sticking to the spreader. Yeah, it's, it's a, as I say, it's an aggregated sort of granule that kind of disperses. And so I, I can, I can, uh, believe that that it would absorb some moisture um let's see anything else we need a uniform boron as it's a very important element for turf grass looney says there's a deep-seated amount of sarcasm in that statement (laughs) i can see it so um uh okay anything let's say uh tangent tangentially related makes me wonder this is from eric sands if they're there's any point of many soil tests even showing iron in the results duped comment with a slightly better english i'm not sure about that uh if there's any point of any soil tests even showing iron in the results as a practitioner i'm not convinced that iron on any soil test would be of use to you as a practitioner as a scientist yes I, I need those iron numbers 
in order to do what I just did, show these publications. Now, I don't extract it with Malik 3. I use a 0.01 molar calcium chloride when I'm doing extractions from those, from those cups. But um, they can be useful for me. But, and and I, they can be useful for you as well. But we need to go out and do the calibration work and do the correlation work. And believe it or not, there's not a lot of people wanting to throw a ton of money at doing calibration and correlation work on iron for soil tests for turf grass. They are useful. I can show you an, agri an agri agronomy row crop paper where iron soil tests uh, were useful. No doubt, in row crops and yields and things like that. They can be useful for that. In turf, I'm not convinced. Okay. And, um, and I'll go into that and explain why. There's some papers that will show that there's some, there's some ideas or some general ranges that might be useful. And then there's other papers that will show they're not useful. So I'm, I'm just not convinced is the easy way to say it. Wayne Esser says dissolving Q40 EDDHA photo degrades as well. They suggest if you're using it for your fruit tree chlorosis to apply a soil cut and water it promptly. Oh, so if you're having, I guess you're saying if you're, if you're having an issue with some larger plants, then you could soil, do a soil drench. Yeah, keep in mind those, those chelates, as I showed, and I will show the actual publication where it shows that the results, those chelates... EDTA, DTPA, and EDDHA clearly will increase the solubility of iron in the soil. But two things need to be accounted for. Well, three things need to be accounted for. One, it's highly dependent upon the soil pH. EDTA is as useless as sulfate on high pH soils. It's just as useless as sulfate on high pH soils. You need to get down into the sixes for EDTA to be useful. Two, there is a um, you need to have some basic knowledge of how long the solubility will last for. If you're going to apply EDTA and you think you're going to have, you're going to be good for three or four weeks or whatever on a pH soil of 7.5, then you're, you're kidding yourself. Ain't going to happen. All chelates, even the EDDHA, which is the best chelate we really have access to in turfgrass management, all of them will eventually lose their ion, their, their metal. Uh, the metal will eventually oxidize, which is what I showed in those graphs, and I'll show that in the future in the actual documents. So you are not going to have it forever. You're going to have it, realistically, you're going to have it, let's say you use EDDHA. You're going to have it for about a month. Pragmatically, you're going to have EDDHA increase the solubility of iron for about a month. But that, don't conflate the two. Solubility of iron in the soil does not equal turf response to that iron. It does not equal that every time. Just because you increase the solubility of iron in the soil does not necessarily mean you're going to result in a turf grass greening. Okay? Keep that in mind. And the last thing is the rate. You have to get the rate of those elements, those chelates, high enough such that when that iron becomes soluble, the amount that is soluble is sufficient to induce that response. So there's a lot more going on than, hey, I'm going to spray this out, and I'm going to spray it out at you know, 16 ounces, 1,000, or 60 ounces, whatever. And I'm going to get a response from it. You spray it out, you will. If it hits the soil, you won't. Assuming that the rate is, you know, the right rate for a foliar application. Looney says, this is a great episode. The energy, in fact, are off the chart. Well, this, oh, <laughs> Looney. Well, you, you guys had me stuck in thatch for a month, man. <laughs> it's like, it's like keeping, a, you know, keeping me caged up. And I mean, I, I know thatch is important, guys. I get it. I really do. I understand that it's, it was needed. And I learned a lot from going over thatch. I really did. Um, and I, and I, I'm glad I did it, but man, that was wearing me down. <laughs> it was not, it was not my area that I'd go to. 
And it'll be a very, very long time before I go back to Thatch. I'll say that. Um, all right, guys. That's all I got for today. If I'm not on tomorrow, just understand it's because my voice is getting worse. But if I can and I can make it through, I will, I will, I will be here tomorrow at 10 a.m. For those listening, 10 a.m. on Monday, Tuesday, Thursdays, and then 9 p.m. on Wednesday evenings, okay? If, oh, and then there's going to be, uh, I think I already have the, the audio queued up here. So uh, get your Shazams ready for those people interested in the music. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye.